Welcome to our Saturday simulcast and uh, a, a victorious coming for Purdue after the Boilermaker 44 to 19 win over Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I uh, want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel. We appreciate them and the Boiler Up Bar. It's probably a hop in place on this yeah. homecoming tonight, even the, this evening. And I'm joined by Tom Deanhart and Mike Carmen, who uh, have seen a lot of Purdue football games over the years and know this wasn't the greatest game of all time, but. Tom Deanhart, it was a step in the right direction a lot of ways, and Purdue uh, really took care of business in the third and fourth quarters to make this pretty much of a laugher. No adult beverages for you, Alan Carpick. That's right. <laughs> None at all. We need our. We all need our beauty sleep, right? Yeah, no Those question. So youthful. Yeah, you're right, around, Alan. Uh, boy, I uh, win uh, was much needed. Obviously, we all know the circumstances of the first four games. We know about the one and three start. We know about the struggles on third downs, the struggles to contain quarterback rushes, um, just, just general inconsistency, the penalties, the turnovers. Um, this, this, this wasn't a thing of beauty in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it was, right? Um, sort of cathartic, I think. Um, Purdue has to be pleased with its offense. Number one, I think being able to run the football continues to be a real strength. I know this was just Illinois, so we have to temper everything we say, but still a nice win. Again, the ground game playing very well. Uh, Deion Burks being Deion Burks. And yeah. uh, defensively, boy, dialing up that pressure, right? Uh, five tackles, seven TFLs. I think there were four or five quarterback hurries I saw on, on the stats. And um, just a nice yeoman's effort by, by that group to bring the heat and make some big plays. And how about this, guys? Scoring a defensive touchdown. So uh, <laughs> good way for Purdue to end the month. We all know the, the to-do list remains long and difficult, but they should enjoy this one and maybe to give them some momentum and confidence. Yeah, and and uh, Mike, some new faces that aren't new faces. Yanni Karloft has certainly made an impact today. Uh, Garrett Miller gets a touchdown reception. Uh, don't know. You guys may know more about the Max Claire of whether he anybody. And of course, nobody ever comments about injuries anymore. So who knows what where Max Claire is after? Of course, the freshman tight end who was had an injury in the third quarter was it but my point is some new faces and the yeah. wealth was spread but also the old faces Hudson card I thought was very good in a lot of ways uh again a good a good performance on down the line well uh, again uh, another theme continues is you know you can look at it you know when Purdue does well on third down both offensively and defensively they win games when they don't yeah. do well on third down offensively and defensively they lose games. I know it's a little bit more complicated Aren't you than brilliant? that. I am. I mean, that's why you. That's why you pay me this money. Oh, no, huge money. Uh, huge but money. I mean, that's that's a recurring theme with this team. And uh, but I, I think you also have to credit what they do on first and second down. In yeah. in both of those cases, to put themselves in position, I think today uh, their third down average yards to go was five and a half yards. So that's a byproduct of what you did in the early downs to put you in a in a better position. But to me, the running game really stood out because you were going into the strength of the Illinois defense, that defensive line. Mm -hmm. And they, 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 they dominated them up front and they didn't let them uh, get dominated. And I thought that was a, a, a big positive that allowed them to, to rush the ball as well as they did. And Allen would probably know the last time they've come close to rushing 200 yards against big 10 teams was when, so a long they, time ago. Yeah. No, they, actually, I think actually, I think maybe in seventeen they did, but I right. uh, I did, have not researched that yet. But uh, right. I will, and I'll let yeah. you know. 
<laughs> and defensively, you know, they flew around. Uh, yeah. You know, they played with, you know, they got the lead. They played with the lead. And to me, I mean, if you go back to the Fresno State game, when Purdue was up 11, 28-17, they had a chance. Yes. They, were on a, they were on a drive in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. They had a chance to punch that ball in the end zone or, at worst, get a field goal, and they didn't do it. And then from there, Fresno State took over. Similar situation today. They they took over in the third quarter. They they got three touchdowns in the third quarter to really take control of the game. So is that a sign of growth from this team? Is that, you know, what is it? Or am I making too much out of it because of who they were playing? But just for themselves to know that they were in that position, they're able to overcome what didn't happen earlier in the year and, and pull through and and really deliver the knockout knockout punch in that third quarter to to give them a much needed win. Well, and Tom Illinois had did have a, a and you I think tweeted about the measure of momentum uh, with the fifty three yard field goal going into halftime, and you were kind of wondering where where this game was going. Uh, certainly, I mean, the score was what sixteen to thirteen at that point, yeah. and then Purdue came out and took care of business, uh, uh, scoring three touchdowns. I mean, I, I guess what I'm always looking for right now is signs of growth and maturity and foundational type things. And yes, it was Illinois, but I think. Again, the adjustments at halftime, you know, limiting your turnovers, the one Maccabee fumble, uh, the limit three penalties for 15 yards are all at least from a growth standpoint. You can do that against anybody, and and they did it today against a team that's one of the worst in the league maybe, but still, uh, they were, these are all things that uh, are kind of an organizational upgrade. Yeah, you're right, Al, and, and um, um, they needed this, like we said, and for them to clean up the penalty issue, them to clean up the turnover issue, I think, was big. Yeah, we talked about running the football as well, and and the, the better play on defense. Mike talked about that, and Ryan Walters talked about that in the post game. Uh, um, how that really is has been the key for them. If you want to really over oversimplify things, it's the ability to get off the field and the ability to stay on the field. And I think Illinois was two of thirteen, and Purdue was maybe eight of thirteen. Illinois was over for nine, I think, at one point. Yeah, and um. Yeah, so that was, I think, encouraging for Purdue fans. And they 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 made some cold coaching alterations today. After the game, I found out, maybe I maybe everybody knew this, that Graham Harrell was working in the box and Seth Dagey was working on the field. And that those roles have been reversed the first four games of the year where Harrell was on the field and Dagey was in the box as the eyes in the sky. Well, again, they had Harrell upstairs and Dagey on the field. And then defensively, there was a similar change made where, where Kevin Kane went up to the box and Ryan Walters called the game on the field. So, you know, I guess you give up. You know, I asked Ryan about, about that in the post game, and I, I guess you give – you you always are – I guess I'm encouraged. You're always looking for solutions, right? right. Uh, things weren't working and they wanted to try something different. Kevin Kane worked in the box for Ryan at Illinois. He was his eyes in the sky. Ryan called the game on the field that works swimmingly. I think maybe they want to do the same on offense, maybe to give Graham Harrell a fresh perspective as well. So I think that was pretty noteworthy. Uh, and then certainly maybe, maybe played a big role in Purdue winning this ball game today. How do you guys both in and on Devin Mockaby? And I thought it was also an important sidelight to this game as they put him back in. I mean, he, and he did good things. I mean, obviously last year, I think through the entire 20, two season only had one fumble in my if my if I remember correctly this year you know he's had the problems he had one today 
and yet, uh, you know, Tom and I have talked about this, and I think Carm, you would agree, is he is a he is your upside potential. Not that Tyrone Tracy isn't, but he is definitely a guy that other other teams have to pay attention to. He's got to hang on to the football. But how did you view that? Just the fact that they stuck him back in there was that a no brainer from your view, or is that a, a sign also of maybe building confidence and trying to trying to state the obvious and have a guy that you know can get the job done, but he's got to hang on the ball. Well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, Tyrone Tracy has clearly established himself as the number one running back on this mm -hmm. team for right now. I think that's that there's no debate over that, but you're going to still need Devin Mockaby yeah. throughout this year. And you need to rotate those guys. One back cannot carry the load. You know, they're, they're going to need to run the ball effectively to have success with, you know, who they're going to face down here the last couple months of the year. But the other thing, I, I thought Devin Mockaby ran really, really hard today. I thought he brought yeah, a lot of physicality. Welcome to the new I, open web. We're combining I, I, both offline and online. There goes my ESPN. <laughs> I apologize. Keep going, guys. Uh, but uh, I thought he ran really hard, a lot of physicality. Um, but he's, he, he has to clean up those fumbles. And they're going to keep going back to him. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't read much into it that they put him back in the game because they know they're going to need him. At yeah. some point, I mean, they just they just are. Um, so you don't want to, you know, eat into his confidence at all. He's probably already has some confidence issues with the fumbles. You know, I'm sure that um, weighs on his mind just a little bit. He'll tell you it won't, but it does. It does. It, yeah, it, 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 it has yeah. to. So they're going to need him, and I think you just you, you just kind of keep playing. You you work with him from the fundamental standpoint of securing the ball. And whatever whatever new drills you need to come up with to make sure that he <laughs> he hangs on to it, you know, back in the back in the old days, you had to carry a ball around school uh, <laughs> the, the next the next day to uh, kind of get that ball security thing going. But they're going to need him. They're going to need Dylan Dowling in some, some 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 situations as well. But yeah, they just have to keep working on it. And you know, I I, I don't see a scenario right now where they. He doesn't play in a game. I mean, I just—I yeah. don't—I don't see that. Even though Tracy is clearly the number one running back right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. I think that's the reality of where they are. Uh, no, that's surprising because I really didn't see that. You know, the way that the. But uh, that's what happens in the football season. Sometimes things happen that you don't expect. All right, Tom, I, I appreciate your coverage of the Tiller Tunnel today. I want to get both of your guys' quick comments on that. It doesn't have to be quick, but. Uh, you know, I thought it was a good thing. Arnett uh, Tiller today uh, did shout. She seemed very happy. This, of course, today is the sixth anniversary of Joe Tiller's passing, yeah. uh, which is hard to imagine. Um, but uh, I just thought it was a good thing. We've all kind of agreed that Tiller Tunnel is kind of the the definition of a a football term, a baseball term of a home run. It's such a such a good facility, a good good thing. I think in terms of paying homage to joe tiller and what he did but tell me what was your thoughts as you watching i know it was a quick ceremony but uh, an important one at that yeah i mean just great to see a guy uh who made the impact joe tiller made uh get this type of a i guess a, a monument to him if you will yeah uh, we talked before alan uh, we think this is better than a statue oh yeah no this doubt. is much more uh uh visible so it's going to be part of every television broadcast from ross Eight stadium and, um, and you know what? It's kind of funny. Um, Arnett Tiller had a quote to the effect that, you know what, Joe would have liked this. Uh, <laughs> he was a simple person, a no-frills person. Instead of, instead of some beautiful bronze bauble 
image yeah. of Joe Tiller. They've actually have a functional, something functional and practical uh, that's useful. And that, that's Joe Tiller, you know, uh, practicality, functionality, no nonsense, no frills. This tunnel can be used in a lot of different ways. So uh, in some ways, that was sort of the embodiment maybe of, of, of what this uh, what this tunnel is to, to Purdue and to Joe Tiller. So again, I'm thrilled for the, the family, thrilled for, for Tiller and his legacy. And good to see a lot of people. Guys, there, there must have been a couple hundred people there. I, I yeah, know it was a big of the ceremony. Uh, I saw guys from the late 60s. I saw Rick Skabinski, Mark Durant. I saw Jim McKenzie. Um, uh, of course, um, some of the more modern guys like Brandon Gorn. I talked to Brandon, Ian Allen. You can go on and on. And always good to see some of those guys that you're all familiar with, too. So just a fun way to celebrate for Purdue fans. Uh, one of the two greatest coaches in, in Purdue football history. You know, and Ryan Walter said, to Mike, in his first press conference, you know, we want to have players here. It also are former players here. And the fact that you had guys from the Mullenkoff era on all the way up to to uh, the end of the Joe Tiller era is a big deal. But you covered Joe for, uh, for a long time. And uh, I think he would have liked – I think he absolutely, like Tom said, I think this is a, a, a tribute that he would he, – he had an ego, not a huge one maybe, but he did. And I think it his, uh, his fact – excuse me, that he's the wingest coach of all time at this school, uh, this is certainly fitting for him. And I agree, he would have liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's understated, but it's not a statue. Yeah. Probably would have been too much. Uh, yeah. They, they, he probably would have balked at that idea. I, you know, I think we're all in agreement, and we know kind of the process that that's happened over the last ten or so years to have something here that honors Joe Tiller. That yeah. has been a hard. That has been a hard thing to get done around here yes, for 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 whatever reasons that they do. They didn't have really anything other than, you know, a road. Yes, named, at the north named, end of the stadium. Yeah, named after him for your the all-time winningest coach in program history. And obviously there's a financial component to all this stuff that they do. And not that Joe Tiller will ever be forgotten, but I think there was a, a sentiment somewhere that, you know, because of changeover in the athletic department, people that were not here under Joe Tiller, mm -hmm. that, the, you know, maybe they were starting to forget about what Joe did. And as Tom said, this this will be in this stadium forever, and this is something that you that you can have, you can see, that you'll promote, and, and it is functional and it, it helps the program, and all those things come together make it a a wonderful gesture, and uh, a fitting gesture for for Joe and for our for Arnett to give it the the blessing that she did. I think is tremendous, and you know, you know. Now no one will forget Teller. No one. They can't. They yeah. can't do it. But um, it, it's just been a long process to get something named after him, which shouldn't have taken this long. It shouldn't have taken this long. But I'm glad that it, uh, it right. did. And actually, we can credit our friend, our mutual friend Tom Schott, also, who always kept right. that kept that uh, torch going. Uh, talked to Tim House, uh, uh, Purdue so senior associate athletic director, that talked about. Yeah, Tom had kept that uh, fire burning even during that transition time. And uh, <clears throat> we're all glad that uh, it got done. Okay. Last word guys, uh, Tom, Iowa, I was struggling a little bit with Michigan state though. They're ahead as of this taping. Um, certainly you're going to have an opportunity to, to, in Iowa city to, 
uh, on paper, this should be, you know, I was shouldn't run away from you, at least offensively. Purdue should be in this football game come Saturday. Yeah, we'll see. You know, they, they, under Brom, Purdue had a lot of success up there, obviously. And um, you always know what you're going to get with Iowa. Kirk Ferentz has been there since 1999. Um, tough defense. They typically don't beat themselves. Want to punch you in the nose on offense. Hit you with some play-action passes. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's a very intimidating environment. Their fans are right on top of the field there. Not much room between the sideline and the stand, so it'll be a very difficult environment. And we know Iowa's got a little urgency as well after getting shellacked at Penn State, so they want to protect their home field. And again, I'm sure revenge is on their mind for what Purdue's done to them in recent history. So, yeah, big challenge, but also a great opportunity for Purdue. And and Mike, Wisconsin, maybe I don't know who the leader in the clubhouse is in the West Division. I mean, who is it? Is it Wisconsin? Maybe so. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know the the biggest victory of the Jeff Brom era came at Iowa City when the number, they beat the number two Hawkeyes, twenty four to seven a couple of years ago. That has nothing to do with this week, but opportunity and for something really significant for Purdue if they can make it find a way to get out of there alive next week it would be an upset certainly. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, you have to think Purdue's going to be in that football game. I would I would debate maybe the biggest win was when they went there before that and won that won that yes, game huge on those two. Win. Because that catapulted them into a bowl, and there and, was that game against Ohio yeah, State. Also, yeah, but I know there bad. was no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a it's 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 another chance for Purdue. I, I don't think that they're going to have the same magic that Brom had uh, against Iowa. Uh, but you know, who knows? Maybe they game plan the same way, and they they find the weakness in the secondary and exploit that. Um, but, but there's a few things lacking in in, the, in that situation as far as you don't have the NFL kind of receiver right now, but you you still have a very speedy uh, Deion Burks. But Purdue's going to have to figure out a way to run the ball against that defense. They're very stingy. Um, they're going to have to be a, probably a little bit more creative on offense, try to move the ball. And then defensively, you know, you, you need some takeaways against Iowa to, to really uh, have a chance to, to knock them off it. Knock them, knock them off at home. But you know, we all know these last two months now begin a grueling stretch uh, for Purdue. Yeah. They have they have a little bit of momentum, a little bit of a cushion now. Uh, you know, they don't have to win every single game to reach a bowl, but you know, they they probably need, do need to surprise a team or two um, over the next two months to put themselves in a better position come the end of November. Yeah, no doubt. Who would ever forget Anthony Mahungu? Right, he was the guy. <laughs> Whoever the cor- great catch that I don't know who you probably might remember who the safety was for <laughs> Jeff Brown picked picked that up and they threw the ball to him and lo and behold they win that game and then that was a huge win. Well, they went they went they went after the opposite corner. They I can't remember his name, but they had an NFL player on one side cornerback. Yeah. I think his last name might have been Jackson. I'm not yeah. sure, but Brom attacked the other guy, and then afterwards he switched over to the other side after. Purdue hit those two long passes. And and you know what? I don't think Anthony had another catch. <laughs> so, uh, he, he, may, he may not have, but he's yeah. he's uh, he's got hero status uh, yeah, with Purdue yeah. football program. The uh, French flash, certainly. It was, uh, <laughs> that was his big moment. All right, guys, thanks so much for your time, as always. And uh, I know you've got uh, busy nights ahead, especially you, Mr. Dean Hart, but we appreciate that. And uh, we will 
look forward to this. Uh, we'll be talking to Tom probably about this time next week in beautiful Iowa City. So uh, that'll be a that'll be a good thing as well. But uh, have a great week, everybody. Thanks all of you for watching and listening. And a reminder: you can, in fact, become a subscriber to GoldenBlack.com. We'd like you to do become a member. Uh, there are specials out there. Uh, and uh, we we would appreciate that. But we also want to thank the Union Club Hotel for its sponsorship. We appreciate them as well. So have a great weekend, everybody. It made better for Purdue fans with a 44-19 to win today. And we'll see you next week on our Saturday simulcast.